Episode number 16, Spiritual Formation with Brandon Forsyth. Welcome to the Productive Ministry Podcast, where it is our goal to help pastors do the things they have to do so they can do the things they are called to do. Before we begin today, I just wanted to share with you this review from iTunes. Blue Rainwater says, I found this podcast to be very insightful and interesting. The host does a great job of conversing and letting the guests convey their thoughts. I highly recommend this podcast if you appreciate new perspectives and enjoy examining your own. I'm hooked and waiting for each new episode. Thanks, Blue Rainwater. Your encouragement means the world to us. It would mean a lot to us if you rated and reviewed our podcast too. And who knows, maybe your review will show up on the podcast. In today's episode, we talk about what spiritual formation is and what a spiritual formation pastor does. We also talk about measuring the spiritual maturity of your congregation and what it means to walk with God daily. That and so much more. This is a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Productive Ministry. Our guest today is Brandon Forsyth, who is the Minister of Spiritual Formation at Northside Christian Church. Is that what your church is called? Yes, sir. That's it. And in Houston, Texas, right? Yes. Okay. So I think that the first question that I have is, I, you know, I'm a little familiar with spiritual formation, but I don't know that a lot of our, of our evangelical listeners are probably going to be familiar with that term. So what exactly is it that you do? Okay. And I would have not been familiar with this term 10 years ago myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Okay. Good, um, good. Spiritual formation. When people ask me, cause I get asked every single Sunday when I tell people what my job title is, what does that mean? Um, when I say I'm a minister of spiritual formation. So they, uh, typically the, the initial answer I say is it's really about adult discipleship at our church. So, I mean, I'm, you know, if you if you want to keep it simple, it's about discipleship on the whole. Um, so I have an executive role where our life group, which is our small home groups, is underneath me. Our missions ministry, which is kind of our outward focused, going out into the world, and also our our counseling, which is you know helping people work through some difficult things that they're going. We have three different ministers over each of those areas that are underneath me on my kind of portion of the spiritual formation team. So that's that's one aspect, just kind of like all around adult discipleship. But I think probably what you're specifically talking about is something a little bit deeper, and that's about the formation of the heart. And that is where you are seeking to connect with God in a deep way and allow the spirit to bring transformation inside of you, sometimes through spiritual disciplines. It's sometimes communal discipline with other people or on your own, um, consistently trying to walk with God on a day-to-day basis and being transformed, I think, is the kind of that that other other side of spiritual formation that goes beyond communal discipleship. Now, did your church just have this conversation and they were like, we need to take more seriously this idea of discipleship and how do we do that? We did. We did. A, a couple of years back, we sat down and we started asking some tough questions about whether or not we were discipling. I'm trying, I can't remember exactly how this went down, but at the time we as a staff leadership team, the executive team was reading through Master Robert Coleman's Master Plan for Evangelism. And mm-hmm. it's really a book about it's discipleship <laughs> completely and yeah. how Jesus did discipleship. And we're, 
you know, we're pouring over that and we're asking tough questions and we're coming back saying, you know, hey, we're doing this, uh, getting people to attend church pretty well. Um, we're doing the praise and worship gig pretty well when it comes to people. we got a very participatory congregation. People love to sing. We're doing all these kind of checklist aspects of Christianity very well on the Sunday morning experience, but we were not intentionally discipling people. And it was, it was very evident to us. I mean, the things that we were doing, and in fact, the things we were pouring all our time and energy into are not the ideal scenarios for discipleship. They were not extremely relational. They were not life to life. Um, and you know, it was very easy to hide in the midst of the Sunday morning experience. So were you guys just like looking at your congregation and just saying, well, we have a bunch of really undisciplined, unspiritual people who are very excited about Jesus. There's an aspect of that to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you, how do you measure, how do you measure the spiritual maturity of a congregation? That's very, that's that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Every, like every person you bring on this, if you ask them questions like that, they're, they say it's very hard, (laughs) but yeah. No. So we are, we are in a constant conversation about how we do that. The latest track we've been taking along those lines is we are trying to gather stories. So we have on our website, we have a story page where people can go and share stories about how God has been moving in their life and how they have been transformed and the way that they've seen that lived out in community. Uh, We've been trying to gather those from our life groups, um, from our life group leaders. Hey, if there's stories about stuff that is going on in your, your groups, if life change and transformation is taking place, please let us know. Um, we're actively trying to share those on a consistent basis. I'm I'm one of the two teaching pastors at the church, along with David Garrison, our uh, our lead pastor, and we that's that's a part of that's that's a part of the process. We're trying to work stories into stories of people in our congregation and how God is changing their lives almost every week, if we can. And on top of that, we do what everybody else does. We're we're trying to keep the numbers, um, specifically when it comes to um, our life groups, life group health, life group attendance consistency because it's that kind of those small relationship we we think that discipleship is more likely to happen in the typicals like giving uh, sometimes often offers you a picture of people's spiritual maturity um, how quickly we can fill up our serve needs um, when we oh, yeah. got things that are going on and are we having droves of people show up and say that they're willing to serve and think of others outside of themselves or is it really difficult and we're having to you know beat the bushes to to find people all those are kind of the things that we're looking at from a from a broad picture of the maturity of the congregation. A couple of things going through my mind right now. The first is simply, did you guys have small groups before you started all of this? We did. We did. We've had small groups for uh, the entire time that I have been here, which is 15 years. Yeah. And has their, has their function changed since this position has been created? Like what were the small groups doing before, before you guys were being so intentional about it? Uh, they were they were doing something similar, but there wasn't a clear focus. I think specifically for the life group leaders themselves, there was a little bit of limbo that they found themselves in. And, you know, the things that we were talking about, the things we were doing, we do a video series this semester and something else this other time. It was very kind of sporadic. And so we have we have really honed in on, hey, this is why we exist. And and honestly, we are consistently talking with the life group leaders, Gary Ludicky is our, our life group minister, and he is consistently talking to them about 
discipleship. Hey, this is about discipleship. It's not a social club. I mean, that's going to take place in it, but this is beyond that. There is a spiritual purpose in the midst of us doing life together in the trenches of life and meeting week after week, and it is growing in Christ likeness. You talked about looking at volunteers and and giving and all of those other key performance indexes and to give a number to a spiritual idea, right? When you see, you know, volunteer numbers are, are slipping, like, or people don't have a heart to serve, what do you do? <laughs> we talk about it. We, I mean, we literally do not shut up about it. We specifically, when it comes to discipleship, we have been talking. When you about say it. we, you mean like your church? Yeah. Ev- like yeah. everybody, like yeah. my if the guys that are preaching on Sundays, which like I said, is typically David or myself, um, each of our ministry leaders. I mean, it is just a consistent message um, for over, I think for about a year and a half now, we have been talking discipleship, period. Like the sermon series have revolved around discipleship, different aspects of discipleship. And, you know, so spirit, like I said before, spiritual formation is hugely involved. You're not going to be growing in Christ likeness if you're if your heart and mind are not being shaped and changed and formed um, by the spirit working inside of you, by God's word, through your prayer life, through your community. And so those are the things that we do. I mean, we're, we try to be very transparent. If, if there are moments when giving is hurting uh, our, our senior, our senior guy will do something pretty cool. He, he will get up with a whiteboard and basically chart what the giving has been for the six weeks before that. And he goes up and down on a graph and, you know, has a little fun with it. People are like, yeah, oh, that's awesome. We were $20,000 over budget. Oh, we were 30000 under. Uh, uh, like, so people know like, hey, this is the reality. And guys, we need consistency and we need to join in. This is about us together as a community doing ministry together. It's not, you know, you can't just assume somebody else is going to pick up the slack. This is uh, all of us got to be working side by side in this thing. So we we talk about it. I mean, all the time. Now, do those ideas, do they originate from you? Are you the one, are you the guy like in the office who's, who's like, okay, we need to really focus on this. And you've got graphs and charts in your office. Is it very prayer led? Like what's your process here? It is, uh, the process is driven by our executive leadership team, which is a group of five ministers. And we meet each Monday and we, we are the executives over kind of everything that is happening in the church. And so mm-hmm. we got we got our little fingers into all the pies. And so we know what's going on. And so it's, it's just basically open dialogue. Hey, what are, what are you guys seeing? What's the information they're getting back from people? What kind of stories are you hearing? How are you seeing God move? How are we seeing people, you know, are we seeing zones where it looks like people are not connected and not connecting in? And so we, we kind of base on it. We go from there and it's not, it's not just on me as an individual. Yeah, that's a relief. It absolutely. <laughs> that would be a lot of pressure. Like, have you ever been just really passionate about something that God has been working in your life and you thought, or, or that God has brought to your attention and then you just find yourself having to fight for that in, in a meeting or saying, no, this is a real thing. This is something we really need to be paying attention to. Not, not very often it has been. So I've been doing the role that I'm in now for three years and part of my transition from youth ministry into spiritual formation was, you know, I, I felt this desire, God putting on my heart to, to speak into the adults of the church. Cause I was seeing kind of some of the fruit of some of the lack of discipleship. Um, and, right. and you, I, I know you, you know, youth ministry well. And so it's, you know, it's one of those kind of things I wanted to do youth ministry forever. And then I started to see like, man, I, I really feel like I'd like to be able to have a voice 
with the parents of these kids that I love dearly and, and call them to something more. And this is the same time we were walking through this whole idea. Are we discipling people at all? Or is it all just inadvertent and what the Holy Spirit's doing and we're being totally unintentional? And so they brought me in in the midst of like kind of a staff wide change. So I, I received a lot of support. And when we get together, I mean, I'm a very, I'm a very passionate person. Like, in, so yeah, there's sometimes things that I'm super fired up about and I'll preach a little sermon at our meetings or whatever, but, uh, but it's generally re- are like, Oh, here comes Brandon again. <laughs> yeah. yeah you can, oh, you, I was going to say, you can probably sense some of that right now. I, I'm on a, kind of a high intensity level. And, uh, but we have, we have a, a lot of that on that leadership team and we have been really um, like just step by step with one another and, you know, affirming these things that we're seeing and working as a unit to, to really meet them head on. What are some of the things you get fired up about? I think there's this, this personal accountability that exists on every single one of us and, you know, for people to, and I think this is probably something that fires every minister up, but for people to claim the name of Christ and to not, to not carry that with, you know, just the, as, as honestly, this huge, not oppressive responsibility, but this huge responsibility is like, man, I want to, I want to honor this name of Christ that I'm carrying in the way that I live my life day to day. And not just, Hey, I went to church on Sunday, at least twice this month. And so, Hey, I'm good to go with Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm in the, and hopefully he'll just pour blessings out on me. Cause I put my little 50 cents in the universal, uh, <laughs> you know, like blessings machine. And I'm going to get back what I want. Like I, you know, it's one of those kind of things like, Hey, no, this is, this is serious business. Being a Christian, if you're calling yourself, that means that you are a follower of Christ. It means you're a little, little Christ as you're walking in this world and right. you need to take responsibility for that. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me fired up, you know, and it gets me fired up in myself when I'm calling myself a Christian and working at a church and, you know, and then going and living in an anti-Christ manner in, you know, not all the time, but in certain aspects of whether it's my, my mental life or if I'm not, you know, loving my wife and kids like I should from a discipleship at home standpoint, you know, that, that frustrates me too. It's like, this is an all, this is an all the time kind of thing. So you said personal accountability. Do you do accountability at your church? Is that part of the process? We, it's something we do not have a, a specific accountability program built in. Um, that, and that may be something we're, we're looking at uh, as we're moving forward in the future, right now, we would like for, and we talk about those things taking place in our life groups. That's, we have really sold out and said, hey, we want to get people into groups of 12 to 16 other adults that are walking in life together in homes, um, in these small communities where you are meeting together, loving on each other, sharing the reality of where you are, you know, the struggles and the victories, and holding each other to this this thing called walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And so that that's where we would like for that to take place. Um, that's what we talk about fairly consistently. What is your, what is your average day look like? Like you wake up, you go to the office and do what? Are you like lighting candles and burning incense or? I wish. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the average day is filled with endless amounts of meetings. Um, I, I have my unofficial job title behind the scenes is Mr. Meeting Pants. Um, Probably eight to 10 times a week um, with various different teams. Wow. But um, on top of that, I I do try to to work in some of my own personal spiritual formation and reading in the midst of the day. Um, I typically have some sort of teaching 
coming up on the calendar at some point. Um, and I'll be thinking about that and working through, hey, these are the thoughts of where we're going like that. Um, the meetings that I'm a part of, I'm on the, I'm on the creative arts team, kind of guiding the vision from a creative standpoint for the church. Yeah. Is that like stage decoration? Uh, it's that's a part of it. I don't I'm not doing that. I'm not like the nuts and bolts guy, but I'm in on kind of the creative process at the beginning as we walk through. We're always walking through a, a couple series ahead of time. Hey, here, what are we going to do? What's the main point? What's the golden thread running through this thing? And so it's good for me because in the midst of that, my role there is, uh, hey, how can we work spiritual formation into this? Is there an aspect of, of your job where you're helping out with other pastors on staff? Yes, that is uh, that's a that's a part of it too. So the the main the main three roles are I'm one of the teaching pastors. Um, I'm one of the executive pastors that is overall like we say age 19 to death falls under our umbrella on our spiritual formation team. So I'm over right. that. And then the third one is that I'm over I'm over staff spiritual formation. So I have kind of each year I, I set out this. Hey, these are the expectations that we have for people. Um, we kind of kind of walk into the vision very, very frequently with the staff. The vision is becoming disciples who are making disciples. Uh, one of our big messages is like, hey guys, we we cannot be going out and leading people towards discipleship and, and you know telling people to go make disciples if we're not doing this and if we yeah. are not walking so, in that reality. So what are those expectations? Is it like written down part of the agreement? Absolutely. We give we we there's a fancy little card that they uh I have our creative arts lady, uh, she pretties up this little card for me. I, I'm looking at it right now. It's tacked over my my uh, screen on my desk. It says, uh, daily quiet time is an expectation, like that you mm -hmm. are spending time with God day in and day out. These, I mean, these are not going to be world changing. These are going to be very normal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Number two is accountability. Like we talked about before that we want everybody to have somebody in their life who can call them on the carpet when need be, can see when that spiritual drift is setting in and can have hard conversations in love with them and also positive conversations in love, you know, encouraging. Uh, so accountability is a big part of it. Um, we, we have spiritual retreat day expectations um, at least once. I call it a semester because we kind of do it by the school year, but uh, at least once a semester, the school year is going on. We want people to take a day that is their actual work day and we are paying them. You know, even if they're hourly employees, we're paying you to do this, go and spend time with God. Like it is, it's your retreat day. If you need to get out of town, do it. Um, if you need to sit in your prayer closet at home, you do that. You know, like I can't, I can't map out for every single individual person what works best for them when it comes to connecting with our just infinitely creative spirit. But, uh, but I can say, hey, go find the way that you connect best and do it. And and so I, I hold the executive leaders responsible for holding their teams responsible in that regard. And that's something I'll meet sometimes with the executives individually and just say, hey, how's your team doing? Have you made sure that everybody's got a spiritual retreat day on the calendar? Are, they, are, are you making sure that you're pouring into your people and that they're you know, being right. poured into? And then finally, the fourth one is discipleship. We, we want our people to understand they are disciples and that they are pouring into someone else. They are reproducing in their ministry areas, that they are, they are inviting people, hey, come chase after Jesus alongside me as I, as I chase after I worked at a church uh, one time in order to do that. Like we would go to, we would have to fill out a form once a month where it was like, Hey, what are you reading in your Bible? And then we would have to turn it in wow. and then it became like part of our, our staff review. How do you feel about stuff like that? I don't How did you feel about it? I hated it. <laughs> I, 
I figured it seemed like that was the uh, the sense I was getting from you. Um, I see that's why you're good at what you do. It's that discernment, man. <laughs> I don't operate like that. I am. I don't want that. I don't want to look through those. We have we have uh, at this point, I think, thirty six different staff members, and that would be a nightmare for all of us. It would become. Right. You know, it's it it's going back to checklist. And I know even my little like I got this thing tacked on my wall and it's got the four things. That can be a checklist too. But we're trying to we're trying to lay out our expectations, but also understand like, hey, we also trust you. We believe that you are a mature follower of Jesus Christ and find value in these things. So we're gonna say, Hey, this is what we want you to live out, figure out the way that that looks like lived out in your life. So mm-hmm. we're we do not I do not have any plans to step into that. And again, you have not sold me on it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I think that for me, the part of the reason that it was so, it put such a bad taste in my mouth is because I felt like what would be easier is having a relationship with me. Yeah. And then like either the fruit of the spirit will be evident in my life or it won't. First of all, I think that's beautiful. Um, just the way that you even laid that out there. And I think to go back to earlier when you were asking about how do you measure success, it has to be relationally. You know, when we when I talked about gathering stories, um, there there's there's not going to be even if we find the greatest metrics the world has ever known, and we ask all these amazing questions, and we do a spiritual survey every year in the church. I mean, people are going to you can say whatever you want on a survey, and you always. Right. Probably there's two types of people. You either crush yourself and, and make it look like you're you're you don't you don't even believe in God because you like feel so you know th- this judgment you've placed upon yourself, or you think you're the most amazing person in the world. Yeah, and you've given yourself all nines and only Jesus is a ten, and you know it's like that's what you get. I think a lot of times from people, and so I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. We want our people in relational community in such a way that people know and see the fruit, see the growth, see the transformation taking place. And that's what we want on our teams in the office. Um, we want our executives to to love and care for their teams in such a way that they can see, hey, something's going on with, with my friend over here. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up a meeting, set up a coffee, go out to lunch and say, hey, what, I, I'm, I'm sensing something different. What's what's happening with you? And, you know, let's let's talk. What can I do to help you in the midst of this? Do you think that the, the, the church, like the big C church, Ooh. Does a good job or or a bad job at this? I would say no. Um, I would I would say specifically because um, I'm all up in the business of the independent Christian evangelical community. I would say specifically in that community, it has been a a missing element um, in a lot of our churches and a lot of our lives. I mean, that's my my own personal experience. I it's only been in the last eight to ten years that I started even. And this is almost embarrassing to say, but even considering like this daily walking with the spirit of God, like this was something that was not on my radar. I, I grew up and, and, and I love, there's aspects of this that I love about the Christian church, but it's all Bible all the time. Like, man, if the Bible will transform me, it's God's word that will do this. And man, absolutely. The Bible's word has huge, huge role to play. And I think the spirit moves through God's word all the time. But right. uh, but I think there was this fear of being Pentecostal um, in a lot of Christian churches and and and, you know, some of the fear that they had with some of the outward gifts of the spirit that sometimes get depl- displayed in various uh, denominations. So they they pulled back and went so far in the other direction that it was like we don't even acknowledge 
the spirit at work in the world, which is just heartbreaking. And, uh, and we're trying to write that. We're trying to write that at Northside Christian Church. So, you know, I, I, we probably have some charismatic listeners who, who are more attuned to that. Yes. I think in my experience, I found that, um, when you're not focusing on like spiritual development and cultivating that, that sort of quote unquote relationship with God, which is, you know, it's Christianese to say, have a relationship with God, you know? <laughs> yes. You know, I, I find that people will often like focus on, on moral issues or sin issues. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, there's, there's different ways you can walk in this. I think we saw some of this and I'm not, I'm not even going to speak to specific denominations or anything like that. But I, if you have people that focus in on the outward service like a social gospel, if you will. We, we've had people in our in our brotherhood um, that have focused solely on that and took some of the kind of mystical, spiritual aspect of Christianity out of it. And then, man, you're taking the heart and soul out of out of who we are, and uh, that hurts it. And then on the flip side, if you make everything into a checklist, as a lot of uh, evangelical churches has done, have done, I got my daily quiet time. I did this. I did this. I read my Bible this amount of times. I prayed before each meal. I attended church. 78% of the time over this last year, check, 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 check. I'm good with Jesus. And it's got to be more than that. It comes back to, like I said before, that, that personal, that personal accountability that no, no, it's, it's not a checklist. Am I walking moment by moment with the living spirit of God? Cause you know, Jesus specifically told us like that, that I, it's better for you that I leave. Um, and you know, people look at that and like, what, how is, how's that possible? It would be so cool to hang out with Jesus. But and he's saying that the living spirit of the eternal, magnificent living God is going to go to work inside of us. And that's something I, I think we we sell short way too often. And uh, and that's that's where that comes in, like this waking up with an understanding like, hey, this is this is who I am. This is well, this is what I'm plugged into. And this is who I'm walking with today. How am I going to how am I going to live that out? How am I going to honor him? How am I going to build this relationship? Which is scary. Yeah, it's just a terrifying process to be to to teach people. Oh well, in this moment, I have to trust the Holy Spirit, and I have to figure out what that that means, and I have to I have to be in tune with what it looks like when the Spirit is moving in my life, and to be able to recognize Him. Right? Jesus says, "You know, uh, my followers will will know me by my voice." Right? Yep. Um, have you had any instances where you've seen? where you've seen people have that light bulb moment come on? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, I mean, we have, as we have focused, as, as we have made this change to specifically week after week be saying, Hey, it's not enough just to come to church. It's not enough just to, just to, you know, read this little three minute devotional in the morning and Hey, check that off my list as we have pushed it and encourage people and ask people to get into community together. We have been seeing, transformation and life change as a, as a community we've been seeing, there's this, we're still working through the process of what it looks like. Um, what, what our specific journey towards discipleship as a community looks like, we're trying to still kind of set that and, you know, figure out how we do that as a big group of a couple thousand people. But we have, there's kind of like this bubbling undercurrent of excitement in the midst of our congregation, as we've been talking about this discipleship, because I think they know, like, I think they know on, on a spiritual, deep, like created in God's image level that this is what they were made for. I think yeah. that they know it. And, and so absolutely, we've been seeing people get it and, and it clicking on. We've been seeing people that 
are brand new Christians get it and they're on fire and they're chasing after Christ and inviting other people to do the same. And we've been seeing it in people that have been lifelong Christians that have been kind of doing the, the checklist Christianity. And they're finally starting to say like, Hey, I, there's more to it than this. And it's, it's more vibrant for my life and for the people around me when I'm walking in this. What are some practical steps for churches to take to start being more aware or thoughtful about this? I, I can't say enough, just communication, communication, communication. I mean, if this meetings, is meetings, lots of meetings. Yeah, well, it's meeting. It, it starts with meetings because you have to have like, the entire staff on board. Um, and but we are we are actively after actively seeking to get every single one of our staff members on this, you know, laser focus of discipleship. This is this is what we want you doing on your teams. This is what we want you talking about. If you have leaders that have not you know, kind of taking these steps. This is what we want you encouraging toward, encouraging them towards. This is what we're going to talk about from stage. This is what we're going to, you know, this is why our life groups exist is to help people become disciples who are making disciples. So it, it's, it's got to come down to communication and it does, it does start with the staff and them understanding the need for that. And then it goes out from there. I, I imagine that there's always going to be like this temptation to, to push an agenda, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, there are, there are just goals that we want to meet from like the business aspect of it, of being able to run your successful church. You, yep. you have to be able to pay your bills. You have to be able to pay your staff. All of those things are true. What I want to ask is what takes precedence, right? Do you ever find yourself in conflict between, you know, what the, what the goals of leaderships, leadership are as opposed to like what the needs of your congregation are? Recently, we have not had a lot of conflict. Um, we, so we, like a lot of churches in the nation right now, um, are, are struggling a little bit financially. Um, so that is, like you said, that is one of these business end of church and running this, you know, this big facility with all these different bills that are coming in. And we support a lot of uh, missionaries the world over. And so like there, there's this aspect that we have this certain amount of money we have to have on a monthly basis to support um, the ministry at, at Northside and the ministry abroad with our ministry partners. So that's, that's a reality. There are things like this that exist. We need people serving. We need, I think we are right now, we need four, a, a little bit over 400 people serving every Sunday to pull off all the stuff that we need, you know, from wow. parking lot wow. to nursery. And so we, we, that's, that's a real thing that that's a number that has to be met and we need our congregations help. The beauty of what we've been walking into and what we've been talking about and what we have refused to shut up about is that all of this fits under the umbrella of a push towards discipleship and becoming more Christ-like and putting mm -hmm. others first and living sacrificially. So we have, uh, they've, they've really lined up well. Um, so there's always this, this clear and clean message of discipleship and life transformation that has these very practical steps and like, Hey, here's a way that you can meet this out. We could, we could really use your help chipping in together from a financial standpoint, because these are the things and we try to tell stories in that. These are the things that we're doing with the money. This is what right. we're doing. We're trying to to glorify God's name in this community and to the ends of the earth. And, you know, we did A, B and C with it this last month. And so we would love for you guys to partner with us in that. And so th those are the things it, it's fit very well. We have not had a whole lot of conflict of interest over this last couple of years. How do you know if something is an organizational issue? in your church or if it's a spiritual issue in the church. So I, I can think of like a thousand churches who 
<laughs> who are just like, uh, you know, you said we have to have 400 volunteers on Sunday, right? Yeah. And I think, well, you can be in a church and you can have a vision in a church, right? Somebody has has this idea and then it's just um, you want to make it happen. But the reality is that your church just doesn't have the resources to do something like that. Yeah. And so and then and then they get mad and they're like, well, we're just unspiritual. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that for a second. To answer specifically what you were talking about, whether how, how do you know whether it's a spiritual issue or it's an organizational issue? I think you have to always approach it from both sides. Like, I, th I think I think the you know, you, you're unrelenting on, hey, this could be a spiritual issue <laughs> like it. You know, so some of some of these measures, maybe this is saying that we have a pretty immature congregation as we have grown we are bringing in a lot of people that had been far from God or had been de-churched and are coming back for the first time in 30 years. And when you're walking into a, a church and that's that's your journey for the last few years, you're not necessarily in this place where you're ready to serve and give and jump in, you know, full force and just absolutely be a disciple. And so we we have walked through a lot of that, like understanding, hey, we have a pretty good swath of people that are walking in kind of a young faith. And so there's there's this instructional nature to what we got to do. We got to show, Hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus here at, here at Northside. So we're going to walk you guys through this. Um, we, from an organizational standpoint, we, we can't rest. Like even if we had success over the last couple of years, we got to be thinking, what can we do better? So that's through our executive team. Those are consistent conversations. You know, every, every major thing, event, whatever we have going on that we do, we sit back and we talk about, all right, what, what can we do better? What did we do wrong? You know, what have you heard back from people? We, we sometimes will go out and ask, you know, how things have been going with various groups of people that are not on staff. So we're always asking those questions while at the same time pushing, ultimately this all comes back to a spiritual thing. I mean, it, Every aspect, every aspect of Christian life, if you're abiding in Christ, I mean, you are you are going to have there's going to be fruit as a, as a church and there's going to be fruit in your life. And if you're not, that's going to be impacted. That, that doesn't mean it's like it's so cut and dry that, oh, hey, this church that's struggling, nobody there believes in Jesus. That That's not yeah. that's not the reality. That's not the reality at all. But, you know, so those they might need to be working on, hey, what do we need to do? Change organizationally. What do we need to change from a message standpoint? What do we need to do to think outside of the box and break out of where we are? Because we have some spiritually mature people, but we're from a business standpoint, dying on the vine. How do, what is right. that? What does that look like? So I think it's it's two tiered all the way. There has to be a, a, a metric for that. You know what I mean? There has to be when you think about whatever your, you know, we call them the KPIs, your key performance indexes or whatever, you know, there has to be like an average giving of churches in the United States. You, you look at that number and you say, oh, well, our church is, you know, our church gives more generously than the average church in the United States, right? And we then that would be, sure, right? <laughs> that would be, a, that would be a victory. But yeah. then, but then you think, oh, well, we're not able to work, you know, our, 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 our members are giving more generously than, than the average person. And we're still not able to pay our bills. Yep. That's not a spiritual issue. That's an organizational issue, right? Absolutely. You know, what about volunteers? You know, how many hours should you expect someone in the church to work? I mean, and then you got on the flip side, you have to fight back against, you have this 20%. If you want to go with uh, traditional statistics that is willing to go all in and burn themselves out. So how do you protect them? While right. you know, to to not over volunteering and over serving while encouraging the other, let's say, you know, 70, 80 percent like, hey, we need you. 
I mean, you do this. This is a body, and to be a functional body, we all got to chip in together. Those are that's that's hard. Those are hard hard conversations. I think the the way that we have seen to address it is just absolute transparency. Say what we need and say what we mean, and and move forward. Trying to trying to paint the picture of hey, this is why this is better for you from a spiritual. Uh, you know, life, life giving standpoint. And this is why it's better for us as, as a community. Why do you think it's so hard for leaders to not just say what they mean? I think that's pretty easy. Cause I think any times I've struggled <laughs> in my life with that, it's cause I care about what other people think. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, anytime I have held my tongue and not said what needed to be said, and it hadn't been a whole lot. Cause I, I kind of let it go a lot, but uh, anytime that's gone on has been, I was way too worried about what somebody else thought. And I was trying to find my worth and my value and where they ranked me or how they approved of my message that Sunday or whatever it was. I wasn't, I wasn't just saying, Hey, again, I'll go back to this abiding from John 15. I wasn't saying, Hey, Jesus, I am absolutely rooted in you. I know who I am as your, as your child. And, you know, I feel that, you know, within me, your spirit has called me to say this. So I'm going to say it. And regardless of what comes, uh, those I, I have I have felt a lot more freedom towards that end in the last few years. Um, as hopefully as I have grown in maturity and and seeking God's face, but I think that's I think it's pretty simple. It's like we we care too deeply about about things that don't matter and finding our value in things that that shouldn't be where we find our value. What are the toughest conversations that you feel people in the church need to be having right now? Big C Church or mine. Big C church, or if it helps just yours, that might be a little too direct, but we can no, speak think, in I general think, terms. Yeah. I think they're very similar. I think we are, we're a suburban church and uh, probably a nice little cross section of kind of the greater culture that we see played out through, through media and different things. I think, I, I think, I think a lot of those things, movies, television shows, news, all those kind of things are probably geared towards the the pretty good swath of the middle class suburbanite. Um, and so I would guess a, a big deal is we got to keep we got to keep walking. Human sexuality is a huge topic, hugely uncomfortable um, to talk about and to walk into. We live in a in a culture and a society where basically it has it has the mantra has become like, hey, I can do whatever I want with myself um, and with, with other people in whatever way I want in whatever capacity. And that is definitely, I think, trickled into the church. And it's, especially in my last few years of youth ministry, I was just seeing less and less that, that students had, had any care to live out and walk in a biblical sexuality. And it's, it's been toxic for our culture. And so, and I, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about uh, like homosexuality versus heterosexuality. I'm talking about a biblical God honoring sexuality and what it means to fight for purity of the heart and the mind and the body and offering ourselves wholly as a living sacrifice before God means every single aspect and every single piece of what's on us. Um, so I think that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. We got, you know, we, we, we have lots of people living together outside of marriage. We got lots of people and, and, and we don't have the numbers on this, but every time we talk about it, there's a lot of a lot of confession. We got lots of people struggling with porn. I mean, that's, this is a, that is a hugely you know, toxic aspect of our culture. So I think, you know, continuing to talk to people about why this matters, it's not just, oh, it's not hurting anybody. It's not, it is, it, it absolutely is. And we got to, the church has to kind of stand, 
stand on stand on truth or there's not going to be a voice in the world that is that is pointing people towards something better so i think that's a that's a huge issue um you know I, it's it's all the it's all the hot buttons money obviously is mm-hmm. we we talk about it fairly frequently we do at least one series a year and like i said david um our lead guy does just about once a quarter he will do the kind of state of the church finances. He does that out with people right out in front. We've had a lot of people, uh, first time guests and visitors coming back and saying, wow, we just really appreciate the transparency that you guys would talk about this. And, you know, that that's kind of shocked us as we have gotten that, but he's not, you know, he's really not cramming it down their throats. He's just saying, Hey, this is where we are. So let's Mm -hmm. change, you know, either keep on going or let's change this. Um, but that's one of the things it's, it's always tough. That's always tough to talk about. Cause you know, people, I mean, that's, that's a huge idol um, for people. It's where we try to place our trust in and Hey, I'm going to be okay in the future. Cause I know I have yay amount of money set aside here and I got to keep this for myself. So I think that's, that's a big one. What about you? I mean, what do you think, man? What do you, <laughs> where, where are the, uh, where are the big things from a church perspective you feel that we need to be addressing? Um, I think, I think that people just need to focus a lot more on the kingdom of heaven and what it means to be, you know, uh, a a Christian uh, before everything else. You know, I think that it's so, it's so difficult to, uh, to keep people focused on God when they're scared, when they're scared that the world is going to be too globalized or they're scared that they're going to lose their insurance or that they're going to have to pay for somebody else's insurance or or whatever. And, you know, for me, uh, it's always a struggle to just tell everybody, everybody just calm down. Everybody (laughs) just calm down. Like God is really still in control. And, and you, your, your loyalty lies in the kingdom of heaven. And so you represent, you represent the kingdom of God before you represent anything else. Um, And everything that has been true about God uh, is still true about him. And anything that God has done anywhere, he can do here. And anything that God has done for anyone, he can do for you. We just get so caught up in the narrative that that we start getting overly emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm an emotional guy, I think. And <laughs> I've been told that. Um, and, you know, and I, and I understand, I understand how, how real fear can, can feel. So I, you know, I get it. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree. I, I have been, I would say shocked and, and I'll, I'll just throw it out there. Disappointed in the greater, the greater Christian church community, specifically in the United States, the fear that has ruled us for the last probably, man, I don't even know, a decade has been, has, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's basically in total opposition to the picture that we see laid out for us about, the early church and biblical community and what that looked like. And these people who honestly had it a lot worse than us <laughs> and, and we're walking in this glorious freedom of trusting God, regardless of what came across their path. Uh, you know, Paul, obviously a perfect example of somebody walking in that he had a really hard life that any of us, you know, most of the people I know would be cursing God and walking away from the church if they live, walked in the shoes that Paul walked in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, you know, he, he counted it an honor. To, to walk walk in the footsteps of Jesus and yeah so the fear has been that's been hard to see it's been hard yeah. to see. 
And it, you know, exactly what you said, making Jesus Lord of every aspect of your life, that answers, you know, all the stuff that I was talking about, money, sexuality, you know, fear, all of these kind of things are met out when you were, when you're trying to consistently say like, Hey, Jesus, it's all yours, everything, yeah. every last bit. And that honestly, for me, I know I've talked a ton about it and, you know, have not, have not stopped talking about it, but discipleship for us has become that focus is like, this is what it means to truly to truly follow Jesus and try to become more like him. You know, it goes, right, right. goes back. We, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, real life church has a, a, a book called disciple shift um, by Jim Putman. And, uh, and their, their big deal is to focus in on Mark one 17 and it says, and this is the simplest kind of presentation of discipleship. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it's, yeah. You know, it's like, I love, I love how it's all broken down there. Cause follow me is just, Hey, you got to make that first step and saying, Hey, I want to, I want to chase after Jesus and I'm going to do my part to make him Lord of my life. I will make you is that second part. That's where the, for me, the, the real depth of the spiritual formation comes in because that's about the spirit coming in and transforming you. Jesus has told us that he will make us. If we have made ourselves available, he will begin to transform us heart and mind and the heart and mind will transform what we do with our body and all of that stuff will take place. And he said, you're not walking in this alone. I will make you if you'll, if you'll chase after me. And then finally that, that fishers of men. And I think this is another biggie that the church has kind of pulled the foot off the gas. And yeah, we don't, we're scared of being people on a street corner on a, on a soapbox screaming at people about how they're going to hell. We, I, I don't suggest that and mm. do not want us to go back to that era of, of evangelism, if you will, but to make decide to be, to become a disciple in such a way that Jesus has changed you and taken over your life in such a way that you feel you cannot stop yourself from talking to other people about the joy and freedom it has brought you and inviting them to do the same. That's, that's discipleship. That's the full picture. And I, I really liked the simplicity of their, they're taking Mark one seventeen because you know most people jump Great Commission and it's incredible obviously, mm. but uh, it's just it's a lot more wordy and just to say hey follow me I will make you fishers of men so yeah you make that personal choice to follow him he's gonna go to work on your life and then you put others ahead of yourself and go go seek people out and seek community and seek invite people to follow Jesus I think you know we start really seeking that out as as a worldwide church we're gonna. We're going to change a lot of this fear and we're going to, Amen. yeah, yeah, we're going to change the way that, that people walk in that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that what we're seeing, like as a church leader, when I look at the, the way that fear has ruled so much of our, of our opinions and interaction with the world, uh, this is a result of a lack of discipleship. Absolutely. You know, this Absolutely. is, Absolutely. this is 20 years ago, the church shift onto uh, went through this phase of um, seeker friendliness uh, <laughs> to model one part of the Great Commission, but they forgot the other two parts. Uh, and now, and now we're bearing the fruit of that. Uh, but it gives us a chance to to realign and reconnect and refocus, uh, and to say, you know, we have a real responsibility here to to teach people exactly as you said to 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 walk with Christ, to live in the Spirit, uh, to engage all of those things. Um, and to and to develop real spirit spiritual maturity uh, within our people, absolutely. And I man, I, I appreciate you bringing up that that kind of shift that took place twenty or twenty five years ago. You know, when we go to a seeker heavy, like what that means is we are inviting people to church that's seeker friendly, and then the pastors handle everything. 
And so yeah. we have kind of taken away this understanding that we are a priesthood of all believers, that every member of our church is a minister that has a responsibility to go out and love their neighbor like crazy and, and you know, walk people towards Christ. And that, that's been a lot of what we're fighting back. It's not it's not, we don't want you to just invite people to church. We want you to love people in relational community in such a way that together you guys can, can chase after Jesus. That You can't do that from a, from a stage. You can't do that from a little music stand up front. We're not going to be able to disciple people. So we're, the, the pastors at whatever church you go to are not the answer for discipleship. It's everyone understanding together that they are disciples who are supposed to be making disciples. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I, get, I get the pushback. You know, you go back to church— 40 or 50 years ago. And this expectation was, if you're not here every single time, you know, if you're not Mm -hmm. here Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, if you're not doing this, if you're not given this amount of money, if you have not done all these kind of different things, then then basically, you know, you're, you're going to burn in hell or you're not a Christian. And so there was this pushback against the checklist, but I think we, we pushed back so hard that now it's like, eh, you know, go to church, not go to church, whatever. I'm a Christian. It's just about me. You know, mm-hmm. me and my personal relationship with Jesus, and that's—I mean, wow! Let's uh, let's let's pull back on the reins and not continue on in that direction, and find a a middle ground of not checklist and not this meaningless Christianity that's just by name only. You know, like what? Right. Let's let's be disciples of Jesus. What does that look like? It's <laughs> good stuff, man. Good stuff. So we'll have to get you back on. You had a you're 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 fun to talk to. Well, hey, so. thanks, man. Thanks for being on our show today, Brandon. I really appreciate you sharing your time, sharing your thoughts. You're doing some good work. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rocky. Special thanks to Brandon Forsyth for being our guest today. Today's show was produced by Timothy Jenkins. The Productive Ministry Podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are served. Wherever you listen, Please rate, review, and subscribe. This really does help us out. Complete show notes, including links to the books mentioned in this episode, can be found on our website, ProductiveMinistry.org. We hope that you'll share this episode, and we'd love to talk to you about it. Continue the conversation with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ProductiveMinistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at ProdMinistry, that's P-R-O-D Ministry. Tweet about the show using the hashtag Productive Ministry. This has been a production of Rumble Media, LLC, and as always, we hope you have a productive week.